everybody. How you doing? And welcome to episode number 87 of the John Riley Project. Today is Sunday, October 27th, 2019. We are broadcasting from Poway, California, 92064, the city in the country. Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us. This is a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And boy, there's a lot of different things we want to cover today. You know, I was really fired up to to get here behind the microphone all weekend long. I've been thinking about um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, you know, um, AOC, and her uh, inquiry there with Mark Zuckerberg from Facebook. That was fascinating. I want to break that down, have some really um, interesting thoughts and opinions on that. Um, there's some things I want to talk about here in Poway, but, you know, some interesting news here locally. But really, I, I kind of want to talk a bit about this notion of pursuit of happiness. And I got to tell you, I, I, we've had a couple of like amazing interviews here in the podcast studio with um, Jennifer Klein and Catherine Cloward and David Leland. And, um, you know, these are people that are pursuing their own happiness. And I've had other similar conversations with other people, um, you know, that people that have introduced me to others some conversations on Facebook. And I've just been really, really I guess, pleased, I I feel good to see people that are really living their life and and doing what they love. And I just love seeing that in other people. And, you know, in this podcast, I I tend to talk a lot about politics and probably a little too much, in my opinion. Just the politics is so interesting and so topical in many ways. But, you know, some people have said that really – Politics is downstream from culture, right? So if you want to affect politics, you need to affect culture first, and then politics will eventually come around to reflect that. But if you go further upstream, really individual behavior is upstream from politics. So I, that's why I love doing these features uh, podcasts or having these interviews with some really amazing people here in the San Diego County area, particularly in this North County Inland uh, community. And there's just uh, people that are just amazing that are doing very special things in their lives that are rewarding to themselves that have an impact on the community around them. And in many ways, what they're doing by going about their business, doing what they love, they're having a positive impact on the culture around them. And I really think that a lot of times, as much as we we can dwell on politics, and and I'm going to probably dwell a little bit on it in this podcast, really... What happens in Washington, D.C., what happens in Sacramento, what happens even in City Hall, wherever you happen to live, as an individual, we have very little influence over that. Um, You know, we got to vote. You know, we might be able to potentially have conversations or influence those that are elected. But really, the one thing that we do have control of is our own life and the things that we choose to do with our own time and energy. And so I think it's wonderful when we see people that are really embracing their own life and, and like I say, pursuing their own happiness. Um, but I, I think, like I was saying, I, I, there, there's a number of people that I met. And if, if you were following me on my Facebook page, um, our good friend Pete Neald, um, who's been, I don't know, he's been on the podcast here about six or seven times. Great guy. And he kind of kidnapped me last Thursday. Um, and we went up to Ramona and we met with Mark DeShero, who's you know, the guy he runs uh, what's called Classic Rotors. It's this um, rare and vintage rotorcraft museum. I mean, it's like... Uh, 
to the layman, it's essentially like a, a helicopter museum, but it's way more than that. And we met him and it was unbelievable what this guy is doing. And we're going to set up another podcast with him. We're talking about trying to find a date and we're going to do a remote podcast from his museum site up in Ramona. But this is a guy that loves aircraft, loves helicopters. He built a helicopter when he was in his early 20s in his backyard and learned how to fly it just by tethering it to the ground and learning how to control it. I mean, just a fascinating story. This guy loved helicopters and he loved it so much that he eventually created his own nonprofit, has a museum, and he's able to share that with people um, in the community, you know, whether they be other aviation enthusiasts or children that are on field trips, it's what a what a great story. So, I'm really looking forward to sharing that with you. Um, and then I was reading recently in our local paper, and there was a great story on Mike Davis and Susan Casey Davis, and they love costumes. And this became, you know, it started out as a hobby. They got involved with it in around Halloween, and then they eventually started making costumes and going to thrift stores and transforming old vintage clothes into cool costume pieces. And and they just got deeper and deeper into it. And they just learned so much and they developed new skills. And suddenly they're doing, they're following their passion and a whole new world of opportunity opened up to them. And it was interesting too. They discovered the whole world of steampunk and, you know, this sort of retro 19th century kind of art, which I think is neat when we see that um, depicted in movies or even in, in other pieces of art. But they began to embrace that as well. And the thing that I love about this is in all these cases that I'm sharing, these are all um, situations where it's a a very narrow topic, you know, helicopters, costumes, things that the average person probably takes for granted. But once you go into that niche, you can go way, way, way deep. And it's a whole world of people and activities and commerce and and fandom. And it, it's it's a in like this underground world that exists in each of these categories. And I love that. I love it when when I stumble across those cases. And and even, you know, Susan Casey Davis, she said in the article that they had no idea that costume con conventions or steampunk even existed uh, before being introduced to it. And she said, like any subculture, like um, you, you don't know it exists until you get into it, like doom buggies or oil painting. It's the same with costumes. We discovered all sorts of opportunities to dress up and act crazy. And man, I mean, I just really dig that. I mean, these are people that find something that they love and they just go deep, deep, deep. And, you know, you hear the, the, the phrase, you know, do what you love and the money will follow. And sometimes a little bit of cliche, but there's a lot of truth to that. Um, because if you're fortunate enough to have your career highly aligned with what you love, then it's no longer work. It's just following your passion. I mean, it's it's pure joy. It's happiness. If you're able to have that kind of alignment and people like Mark Deshero and Mike Davis and Susan Casey Davis have done that. Um, but then there's other examples and we've had them here in our podcast studio. How about Pete Neald? I mean, 
Pete, love the guy. I mean, he loves Corvettes. I mean, he'll talk to you about Corvettes, you know, forever. I mean, that's how much he's passionate about it. He just loves it. He hasn't necessarily made a career out of it, but it's just a huge part of his life. And, and it gives him great joy and happiness. I love that in him. Um, I think that's one of the things that makes him special. And then how about Catherine Cloward? She just joined us here on the podcast studio about a week ago, and she shared her story. And I I just thought it was neat because she talked about how as a little child, she would be in her bedroom dreaming of being a singer, um, standing up in front of her mirror, practicing being a public speaker and giving a speech. And she would actually practice in front of her doll collection. Um, so she she wanted to be an author and a writer, and she just had these dreams. And then she goes on and goes to college and then goes into the corporate world and does well in the corporate world. Um, but then she basically had a had a moment in her life where she had to ask herself, is this really what I want to do? And, you know, because of economic circumstances with the Great Recession, you know, suddenly, you know, the, the whole world kind of went upside down during that time in 08, 09. You probably know about it yourself. We all have stories. Um, but she had an opportunity to reconfigure her career, really reconfigure her life. And now she's living that dream that she had when she was an eight-year-old. Now she's not just practicing in front of her mirror with her doll collection. She's got a whole series of books. She's got um, gigs that she performs, not only as an adult performer, but she has an alter ego that she performs for children. Um, so unbelievable the things that she's been able to do and transform her life. And and these books that she's written, there's series of books that are for children, series of books for teenagers. And she also um, is in the middle of writing a book about Father Joe, you know, one of our you know, kind of local icons here in San Diego County. Um, so just this, these are people that are pursuing their own happiness. And I, like I said, I've been crisscrossing and meeting these people just in the last few weeks. And I've just been just overjoyed. It's, it's really beautiful. And then how about, you know, Jennifer Klein, you know, she, she came in here and spoke about her music career and the things that she's doing. And, and she had, you know, her childhood was something she was, she was brought up in the Sinanon community, which is a very controversial and, 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 you know, she had some really wonderful experiences and some other experiences that maybe weren't so wonderful. Um, but she, grew from that. And you know, she went on and she's a mother and has a great family, lives here locally. And she enjoyed playing music. And she, even as a child, she loved to play guitar and she loved to perform um, on stage when they had these community plays that were organized within her community. But then as an adult, she didn't pursue it as much as she wanted to as a child. It was almost still kind of a dream until some of her friends said to her, you know, you're good. You're, you're really good. You need to take this out and share it with other people. And now she is, and you could see it just in our conversation, the, the happiness this is bringing to her that she's now effectively living her dream as a performer, as an artist. And it's just so wonderful to see. So, you know, I think about how many people that exist right now that are doing things in their life that they don't necessarily want to do. And I, heck, I've been in that situation myself where you're in a job and it's just a job. You know, it's something that you do to make money so you can pay the rent, you know, pay the bills, but it's not necessarily something you love. And I think there's just so many people out there that are, that are doing that, that are 
not really pursuing their happiness. They're just kind of going through the motions. And it's sad. And, and you wonder, well, why is that? Now, obviously, there's economic reasons. You know, they, people build careers and they kind of get on a certain career track. Sometimes people really have no career strategy and they kind of drift and wander. But why aren't people really pursuing their own happiness? Maybe they're not aware or maybe they do have a dream. Maybe they had a dream as a child, but as an adult, they're consumed with fear. And we talked about that in, I think it was the the podcast with Catherine Cloward, how fear is just such a huge thing as an adult and uncertainty and doubt. And then we get to the point where we lose self-confidence sometimes. We we think that... um, we might have those skills, but then as we get deeper into it, we start to doubt ourselves. And then we think, well, I can't do that anymore. I, I, I'd be an imposter. I'd be a fake. But really, you know, people, I mean, you're better than you think you are. I think that's true of a lot of people. And so, um, you know, I think a lot of people hold themselves back because of fear. And they think, well, if I'm not going to be the best then I don't want to do it at all. I don't want to embarrass myself. But sometimes you just got to be able to break through and just trust yourself. And it's hard. And I go through this myself all the time. We create barriers in our life that prevent us from pursuing our own happiness, that keep us, we keep ourselves down. We, we can be our own worst enemy. You know, we talk about comfort zones and I did a whole podcast on that. We get into habits, they're hard to break. We get into a routine, a pattern, and suddenly those dreams just sort of drift away and we lose touch with that. And it's sad to see that, you know, because we all have so much more in us. We, we have so much more to offer the world, but yet we're afraid or unwilling to really pursue it. Um, it's hard. You got to, I mean, I'm doing this in this podcast. I'm putting myself out there. It's risky. I mean, it, you, you invite all sorts of criticism, and I've taken a few shots myself in this podcast. But I'll tell you what, for me, this project for me is so liberating. It is so um, uh, fulfilling. Um, it is a great boost to my own self-esteem. I feel really good about myself when I'm putting these episodes together because I'm not only able to interact with you in the audience and hopefully offer value to you in the audience, but in doing so, I'm reinforcing important values and important principles in myself. In many ways, I'm motivating myself as I'm trying to motivate others. So this podcast, even though I am putting myself out there, it's it's been a great challenge and I love it and I'm thriving off of it. Um, and I, I just, I look at people, you know, that, I'll walk by and I, I see them and I often wonder in their life, are they pursuing their happiness or are they kind of in a rut? Are they really afraid to do different things? You know, sometimes you just have to get to a point and, and I, I commented on this before as well, this whole notion of you do you. And the first time I had ever seen that was when I made my crazy electric vehicle drive from San Diego to Albuquerque, which was another podcast episode. And I was driving in the desert in Arizona and there was a casino that had these billboards that was all about 
you do you. And I saw that and I thought it was the greatest thing because it was basically telling people just be yourself and have fun and come on and, and share in the fun here in our casino. And they, they had great uh, visuals, great headlines. It was all hashtag you do you. And I just loved it. And so I wonder if we're afraid to you do you. Um, and you kind of wonder why sometimes we don't, and I'm kind of reflecting on this a little bit. I see this in myself at times, and I see this in other people at times as well, is that we fail to put ourselves first. And I know that sounds um, to some people almost immoral. How can you put yourself first? That's selfish. But you know what? Um, You only live once. YOLO, right? I mean, you have to live your own life and you have to, um, you have to be okay doing your own thing. And, and if you're going about going about, you know, doing your own thing and putting yourself first, I'm not saying to put other people last. I'm saying that if you put yourself first and pursue your dreams, pursue your happiness, you're going to be able to share that with other people that's going to bring them love and joy and value. And in the end, you're able to not just serve yourself, but to serve others. And I I just think that's a really special and important point that it's okay to you do you. It's okay to pursue your own happiness. It's okay to say, you know what? I'm valuable. It's okay to say, I'm worth it. It's okay to say I'm good enough and I can do this and I want to do this, but we put barriers in front of ourselves and it's, it's just a shame. Um, think of the disservice you're doing to yourself or the disservice that other people are not able to, to get from you when you're unwilling to live your life on your own terms. And these are some of the themes that I talk about all the time in this podcast, in, you know, you saw my pursue happiness shirt. Um, when I, I talk about it with, when I was sharing that shirt with the, with the podcast crowd, but even if you follow me on social media, I, I, I share these kinds of themes cause I just think it's so important. Um, there's, there's just so much that we can do if we just stop denying ourselves and really go out in the world and pursue win-win relationships. If we can, if we can find value in doing things for ourselves and doing things for those that we interact with, then we can have a win-win scenario. And I think that's a great thing. I mean, just take a person like, I'll just pick Catherine Cloward as an example. You know, she's out there writing these books and writing these songs. And these are things that make her feel good about what she's doing. You know, she said she's not just an author. She thinks she's a messenger. And the value in the messages that she shares makes a huge positive impact on our youth and on adults. And I think that's gigantic. Um, we doubt ourselves. We, we doubt our ability to provide value to others. And really, we doubt ourselves sometimes. We sometimes don't have that self-confidence. Now, Maybe you have that. Maybe you figure this out. Um, my opinion is, is that a lot of people are struggling with this. I've struggled with this at various times in my life, and I still battle with it now as a middle-aged guy. So um, it's interesting. 
But if you look at a lot of successful people, and we can define who's successful and on what terms what defines success, but those that are really successful are the ones that have taken charge of their life. They've embraced their life. They're living their life on their own terms. Um, and they, they make choices to do what's in their best interest. But in doing so, they also make positive impacts for those that they love and those that they value and the relationships they have in their community and with their customers and with their family. And in doing so, they create a positive space and they create a positive uh, energy with those they interact with. So I, I just think we have to be willing to take risks. We have to be willing to step up and say, am I, I'm worth it. Not am I worth it, just to make a statement, I'm worth it. I've got something to offer. I have something that's valuable and I want to live that life. I want to pursue my own happiness. I want to live on my own terms. And we just need to give ourselves permission to pursue that. It's hard. Um, but it's just so important. And so, you know, like I said earlier, um, culture is upstream from politics, but our own individual behavior is upstream from culture. So what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do in your life to change, to make an even greater, how should I say, how can you, how can you really self examine your life and then decide what is it that you've always wanted to do and what's it going to take for you to actually step up and do it? What are the barriers that are preventing you from doing it? And are you willing to remove those barriers? And I'll tell you what, a great place to start. And this is one of the things that I was just talking with one of my customers about this last week. We have to be able to create a stop doing list. Um, we could take a list of all the things that are going on in our life and we can stack rank them from one to a million. We've got to be able to identify what are those things that we're spending time on that are really not that valuable, that are really not that important. And how can we eliminate those things? Because if we can stop doing things, we can clear a whole lot of space, a whole lot of time, and a whole lot of energy so that we can pursue our own happiness. It's just so critical. So I invite you to not, not just look within yourselves and ask yourself, how can I stretch? How can I grow? How can I take myself to the next level? But I also invite your comments and questions on social media. So, you know, in this, I'm going to post this podcast on Facebook. I'm going to post it on Twitter. Let me know what you think about this. I'm interested in your thoughts. What are you doing in your life to pursue your own happiness? Are you having success? Are you having trouble? Is the pursuit of your own happiness something that you think is real and achievable? Or is it just a platitude that is impossible to achieve? I think there are some people that believe that, that believe that it's not possible. Um, I'm interested in learning what you think. So please follow me on social media, on my Facebook page, The John Riley Project. Also on Twitter and Instagram, my handles in both of those is John Riley Poway. 
Um, and by the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, I would love it if you would subscribe. That would be great. Uh, click on the subscribe button. We're working really hard to try to increase our subscription base in YouTube, and we've made great progress in the last couple of weeks. If you'd like to help out with this with this podcast project, yeah, please subscribe on YouTube. I think that'd be great. Okay, so now we're going to talk about a few other things. So um, I haven't done one of these good, the good, the bad, and the ugly segments in a long time. So I think this is a great opportunity to do it where I can kind of share some top of mind thoughts on a list of things. First, the good. Um, hey, how about the Padres hiring Jace Tingler as manager? And, you know, we had David Leland in here over the weekend. We just posted that podcast on Saturday. David really broke it down for us. And you know, on paper, this this uh, Jace Tingler guy looks like he could be very good, and he's gotten great references, and there's a lot of people that really believe in this guy. I'm intrigued. I, I think, you know, we may find someone special here. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to the press conference from the Padres. That probably won't happen until after the World Series. But I'm enthused. I'm encouraged. I think we still have nowhere to go but up, pretty much. Um, so look, at, I think that I'm going to put that in the good column. Another thing I'm going to put in the good column, and I'll put air quotes around good, is this topic of the Poway Unified School District and this billion-dollar bond they're talking about. And it will be another billion-dollar bond if they end up borrowing $480 million. It'll be at least a billion dollars in paying back. Um, but it's interesting if you follow the news and you look at um, the Poway Chieftain and the Ranch Bernardo News Journal, those local papers here, there have been editorials, there have been letters to the editor that have been written, a lot of caution about the school bond. Um, a lot of people that are you know, basically saying, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, shame on me. You know, people are still feeling very burned by the billion dollar bond that went down in the first part of this decade and seriously questioning um, whether or not the school district needs to enter into more debt, more bonds. And heck, the billion dollar bond, we don't even start paying for it until 2033. So they're talking about debt upon debt upon debt. There's a lot of people that are very suspicious about this. I think that's good. I think that's a healthy piece of skepticism. Um, this is probably going to come up on the ballot in the spring or possibly in November during the presidential election. Um, but I'm encouraged to find out that there a lot of our community members are speaking out and they're not they're not lining up to take the bait like they did last time. And I'm encouraged by that. So I'm um, still looking forward to seeing how this all plays out. But keep your eyes peeled. There's already, well, we even saw that in the uh, one of the letters to the editor. There are some people that are still calling for uh, a parcel tax, you know, essentially a, a tax that's going to be added to our tax bill to provide additional funding for the schools when the schools themselves can't live within their own means today, even during a very strong economy. So um, I, I like seeing the community involvement. I like seeing a healthy amount of skepticism. I think the school district really needs to do a better job making their case. And so far they haven't done it. Um, also in the good column, I'm going to give a big shout out. And I, I've, I've commended this gentleman once before. His name is Amit Asaravala, and he is the um, local chairperson, I think, of the Poway Democratic Club, and he wrote a um, an opinion piece in the local newspaper and essentially was 
you know, it was called Why Blackface Matters. And it was a really good write-up because at a local Poway High School football game, they were having one of their blackout games where they encourage everyone to wear black. Um, but, you know, there were a few students that took it too far. Some were wearing Obama masks and, and this sort of thing. And, you know, and that's when you begin to cross the line. And I think uh, Amit really did a good job of explaining the history and explaining why those kinds of boundaries exist and really being socially aware of what it means when you cross that line. Um, and I thought it was done extraordinarily well. I thought he did a great job. And so um, I'll include a link to that um, opinion piece in the um, in, in the show notes in this uh, podcast. So good job to Amit Asaravala. All right. In the bag column, I was really surprised to see this piece of news. Our mayor, Steve Voss, um, a mayor that is generally very well liked in Poway, a mayor that is running for county supervisor, who has been very aligned with the local Republican Party, has uh, been very aligned, you know, with Sandag and with um, and with Diane Jacobs, who is endorsing him, who's has the position for county supervisor today. She's basically endorsing Voss to be her um, next in line. He seemed to have all of his ducks in a row looking good for this supervisor election in November of 2020. And I was really surprised to see that he did not earn the local Republican Party endorsement Um, that instead went to – you know, longtime state senator, state assemblyman Joel Anderson got that. And, and Joel Anderson, also another, you know, longtime Republican. I was surprised by that. Um, I thought Steve Voss has been, from a political campaigning perspective, he's very good on messaging. He's usually very careful on how he goes about his business. He, I think he's an extraordinary uh, marketer, he's very good with personal branding. Again, I, I, I was shocked by this. So I'm curious to see how much of an impact that has in the election. Um, I know that for a lot of races, people don't really know the candidates all that well, and they will sometimes depend on the endorsements from the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. Steve Voss, who had consistently been getting Republican Party endorsements for city council and mayor and in his reelection, uh, failed to get that. So um you know, more drama. We're going to see how this race unfolds. Um, Voss has a lot of support in a lot of other areas in the county. Is the loss of the Republican endorsement going to be a, a, a hurdle that he can leap over? We'll see. But I, I have that one in the bag column. Okay. And now here we go. This is the ugly. And this is where we're going to get to AOC and Mark Zuckerberg. And, you know, maybe you saw this. It was in the news late last week. I think it was Thursday. It all went down. And it was a congressional hearing. And, you know, people were spinning this. And maybe you saw some of the headlines, you know, AOC's epic takedown of Mark Zuckerberg, you know. And and it, it was it was a very interesting, special um kind of situation that's there was so much to comment on. And a lot of people have written articles, for the most part, praising AOC on how she took apart Zuckerberg and how, um, you know, she, you know, gave him a new one and all of this, basically all praising her. I, I had a very different take on this. Um, 
First of all, Mark Zuckerberg was there to talk about Libra. Now, Libra is this new cryptocurrency that Facebook is providing. And I don't know the reason why he had to come before a congressional hearing for this, but he was there. And this is, you know, he's had to make multiple congressional hearings. And it just seems like, you know, they they trot him out and the these power lusting politicians just want to beat on him. And, and they do this with a lot of the other people that they bring into these hearings is um, they they hammer him with questions and then they don't give him an opportunity to fully answer and then they cut him off and then they start. I mean, it's like it's an inquisition uh, what happens in these in these hearings and, you know, whatever side of the political spectrum you're on, you know, left, right, independent, whatever, um, you would hope that they could have a conversation, you know, kind of like what I try to do in this podcast and to hear each other out. But instead, you know, they, they, they pontificate um, from, you know, the bench and then they say yes or no. How do you feel about this? And, you know, some questions are very difficult to answer yes or no. You know that. Um, some ans- Some require a more nuanced explanation, but they cut them off and shut them down. And the whole thing is about trying to make these politicians look good and trying to slam these people that are coming before these, these, um, uh, these hearings. And it just drives me nuts when I see this. Uh, now, what this whole thing boiled down to where, where it got interesting is when AOC was grilling Zuckerberg on whether or not Facebook should be fact-checking political ads. And in the questioning, AOC was saying, so so you're telling me um, Facebook's policy is, is people can pay to spread disinformation. And then she starts asking, how far can I push this? And then she brought forward a number of hypothetical scenarios of a politician lying and whether or not Facebook would allow that post to go public. And, you know, Zuckerberg was trying to answer it. And and in some cases, he didn't know the answer, which didn't make him look good. But he he was saying, like, you know, one of the scenarios that that AOC brought up is if they were purposely advertising an inaccurate, you know, voting day um, to try to essentially throw off the voters. And Zuckerberg said, yeah, we would not allow that to be posted. Um, but in other categories, Zuckerberg wasn't wasn't quite as clear. And and AOC was just hammering for for all this. And I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, what this is like free speech that is being attacked right here. And you know the crazy thing is is that AOC is demanding that Facebook check fact check these ads. Well, I'm sorry. If if political ads had to be fact checked, there would be no political ads because they all lie. They all distort. They all spin. They all distort the truth. Every one of them. I mean, I mean, even even AOC, I mean, not too long ago, she's saying the world was going to end in 12 years. I mean, so you see what these politicians are doing is what they're trying to do is um, to tear down free speech. And I've talked about this in other in other podcasts. Now, I'm not saying, you know, politicians should lie, but really the police in this case shouldn't be Facebook. It should start with the politician themselves. They're the ones that shouldn't, they need to be fact-checking themselves. Their own staff need to be fact-checking themselves. That's where it needs to start. Um, Not blaming Zuckerberg for this. Um, And, 
And, and what they do is see they bring him. They didn't bring up the executives from the television networks or the executives from the New York, New York Times or any other publications. They brought Zuckerberg up because he's the rich guy, because he's the guy that they can come in and attack. And I mean, it's unbelievable. So the whole point of, of free speech is, I mean, you read it in the First Amendment. Congress shall make no law to abridge the freedom of speech. So it's not Congress's job to try to get these platforms, media companies, what have you, to police their speech. That's up to them to do. And in some cases, Zuckerberg said he will police it. But you get into all these gray zones. It's like, what's true? Sometimes the truth is in the eyes of the beholder, depending on what it is. But like I said, if, if you were to demand that Facebook fact check everything, then there would be virtually no political ads at all. Um, but then it, it goes even further with this because who do you think benefits the most from having um, more social media paid advertisements? I mean, it's obviously the incumbents. They're the ones that are struggling to get their message out. And what you're seeing is the the um, excuse me, the, the competitors are the ones that are struggling to get their message out. So if the incumbents can come somehow suppress their ability to advertise, then it's going to effectively protect establishment incumbents and suppress their competitors. And that's what that's what this whole game is about uh, because and, and some of these competitors will put forward statements and they believe them to be true. And other person says it's not true. I mean, how often do we see that in the political discourse? So, I mean, I just I just thought it was crazy. Um, and, and in many ways, again, establishment interests thwarting upstarts, thwarting competition. That's what all these regulations typically do. But then. Zuckerberg, you see him up there and he's struggling to answer and he just looked weak. He looked kind of pathetic when he was going through it. And I just wish he would have told him off. I wish he would have said to AOC and said, look, it's not our job to police every iota of speech that passes through our platform. And he did actually say that to a degree at one point. And he said he thought in a democracy, people should be able to see for themselves and ultimately that the voters should judge. He didn't say it as confidently or as directly, but he got that part right. Is that really the people are the ones that need to be judging it. The fact checkers need to start with the politicians and their staff first, but then it's really up to the people to decide what's true and what's not. Because if you put that in the in the hands of, I mean, you put that in the hands of third parties, of corporations, they can't possibly go through all of this and do it accurately. It's just not possible. And in a country where we embrace freedom of speech, you can't demand that private companies police speech. Now, Ethical private companies will do that. And in many cases, that makes a lot of sense. But there are some cases they can't possibly be the arbiters of truth. They can certainly find cases where it's just an outright lie, like advertising a, a voting date that's inaccurate. But in terms of the, the spin, the, the statements that are made by politicians – it's it's just not possible, nor is it practical. And even if they even if Congress did demand that these private companies do so, that's an abridgment of freedom of speech. So it, it just this notion of these 
power hungry politicians beating down on these people was just nuts when the fact checking needs to start with them themselves. So um, I just thought it was crazy. So who who really needs to be responsible for this? Um, the government shouldn't be policing speech. Not at all. We have a, that's in our First Amendment. Um, should Facebook be um, policing speech mandated by mandated by government? No, because there is a freedom of speech. Should Facebook be doing it on their own to their best of their ability? Yeah, they should. That's really in their own best interest, because if they were taking ads of just obvious lies, obvious distortions, it'll turn their platform into a joke. It'll become like um, uh, like Infowars or something with a lot of um, conspiracy theories and untruths. So it makes sense for Facebook to have their own internal policy. And in many cases, they do. But they also understand that there's a certain point where they can't possibly be they can't possibly be an arbiter on every single ad. So there has to be some of this that's going to go through. Um, and again, it needs to be up to the um, up to the the readers to to be the judge. Now, it is interesting though, by the way, that um, uh, the politicians are the ones that can get away with lying. You ever notice that? Because they lie all the time. So when a politician lies, they get away with it or they demand that other people fact check them. But when an individual lies, then they can be held contempt of court. They can be held accountable in, in a court of law in a lot of cases. So again, you see double standards on this as well. So um, in the end, I think... Uh, AOC needs to back off on this. I think we just need to let freedom of speech play out. I think we need to let those companies make their own decisions on what ads they're going to take or not take and then suffer the consequences um, of any damage or boost to their own reputation. In the end, the readers, the voters are the ones that are going to have to decide what's truthful, what's not, and they'll be able to tell. This is why you need to get your media not from a single source. You got to get it from multiple sources and distill the truth yourself. But in the end, politicians are the ones that need to be held accountable. Politicians are the ones that need to fact check themselves. Okay. Um, enough of my soapbox. Okay. So what else is going on? Um, hey, I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, click on that subscribe button down below. We're working really hard to boost our subscription base. If you're listening right now, Thanks for listening. And if you could do me a favor, leave a review. Like a, if, if you believe we deserve it, a five-star review on iTunes would be great. Maybe leave a little sentence or a paragraph what you think about this podcast. Tell people what you like, maybe what you dislike. Um, but reviews like that are always helpful as well. And if you can, share this with a friend. That'd be so great. Let them know about the John Riley Project. It's a podcast about life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So... Um, I finish up every one of these podcasts with a quote, and so actually I actually have two today. So the first one is from Abraham Lincoln, and he says, and this is a good one, folks are usually about as happy as they make their minds up to be. And isn't that truth? Um, happiness is something that we create ourselves. Happiness is something that's totally on us. We talk about pursuit of happiness. Happiness itself is not necessarily a goal. Happiness is what we discover in ourselves as we're in the pursuit. So yeah, we're 
uh, we're about as happy as we make up our minds to be. So Abe Lincoln got that one right. And the second one from Gandhi, and this is a good one too. And this is kind of like what I said earlier in the podcast. Happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. Let me say that one again. Happiness is when what you think, what you say, and what you do are in harmony. So this is a lot of what I mentioned earlier, doing what you love and the money will follow. If you're able to have consistency in what you're thinking and what you're doing, you're going to be happier. If there's inconsistency where you're having to do things that aren't aligned with how you think, then that's when you develop, there's friction, there's anxiety, there's distress. That's when we lose that harmony and we lose the happiness. But if we can think and say and do and have all three of those aligned, that's beautiful and that's happiness. And that's what um, Mahatma Gandhi said. And I think that's a great quote as well. I think that's something to to think about as well. So um, I want to thank you for listening. Thanks for watching. This is one's kind of a ramble podcast. It got a couple of things on my mind I wanted to share before I wrap things up here on a Sunday night. This is the John Riley Project. This is episode number 87. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. And we'll be back with you soon. See you later, folks. Bye-bye.